Before we start today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Zencaster, which is a podcaster's best friend. Trust me when I tell you this, Zencaster is like the Shopify for podcasters. It's all you need to get up and running as a podcaster. And the best thing about Zencaster is that you get so much stuff for free. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link, zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. That's zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. Hey, I'm Srivatsan, founder of Clear, formerly Clear Tech. Ek minute, stop. Ready, let's go. This could be a great intro. In every industry, there are the pioneers, the trailblazers who do so many firsts that they inspire another generation of founders behind them to dare to dream. And in the fintech SaaS space, that trailblazer is undoubtedly ClearTax, which is now rebranded to just Clear. Clear was founded in 2011 in an era where the news of startups like Flipkart getting funding had just started trickling in. But no one seriously considered giving up stable jobs to become founders. Clear was so early in the game that there were no playbooks that would help them figure out things like pricing, go-to-market, growth hacking and many other essentials of scaling up. They were among the first India-focused startups to get into the Y Combinator program in 2014, followed by blockbuster fundraises of $50 million in 2018 and $75 million in 2021 from global payments company Stripe. In this episode of the Founder Thesis podcast, listen to the story of how Clear made history so many times with its co-founder, Srivat Sanchari, who tells Akshay Dutt about the fascinating journey from a house in West Delhi to its swanky corporate offices in Bangalore today. So, I think Ajit had, Ajit's dad runs a CFI. Uh, so, Ajit's always seen that side of the world, right? Like, he's seen how difficult taxes were, how pen and paper things were and still continue to be right like it's it's still crazy like uh, and tools that are there for filing taxes or doing compliance just forget taxes right making managing your money they're so archaic they're stuck in they were made in the 80s and they're still stuck there so i think that was a big motivating factor like so Ajit started with building desktop software, which he distributed to CAs, right, on a CD back in those days. Because that was the sort of thinking out there. Like, web apps still weren't so mainstream, especially for uh, something like as complex as taxes. And then he realized, okay, maybe this can be solved online, right? And he built the first version of ClearTax on the web. He, a systems engineer, so wasn't like completely familiar with the front end, though he like, wrote the first front end himself. And, that's when he pinged me and Ankit. We helped a little bit. So we started getting our hands dirty a little bit here and there. That was fine. Not as consulting, but just because this was something we truly uh, believed in. Like just helping a fellow person in the startup community, right? The first version of ClearTech had launched uh, the first year. And gotten, I think, a few thousands of filings and all of that. And so that's when me and Ankit... Like, like his thesis was that there would be a certain type of income tax filer who if given some amount of workflow tools, can do self-filing. And Yes. It wasn't a thesis research, but it was like, hey, if I had to do this, what would I do? If I had to file my tax returns, and I think that's, funnily, that's been one of our thesis on building products, right? Like, really, like, figure out the need yourself. If, you know, this was your job, or if you had to do this yourself, like, 
how would you how would you want to do it like what would be the best experience that you could create for yourself when you made something uh, i think it really came from that place right because it was painful like it would take you days sometimes dealing with so much pen and paper and excels and you know very shitty java utilities and all of that so but come online if you could just upload your form 16 which is a document that every company gave you that document has all of your data what if you could automatically read that and prefill the tax return go through it add a couple of details which the form doesn't have and then press a button and file easier said than done like you have to obviously take all of those uh, hundreds of tax laws thousands of tax tens of thousands of tax laws and encode them into software so pretty painful but if you did that i think one of the interesting things about me archit and ankit like with respect to software and technology i think we are very happy to just jump uh, head first and like unravel problems not afraid of really hairy problem tax is one of the probably like the most complex like logic and workflow problems right so i think it was just that like what would be like to see and i think at some finances and especially tax right like and a lot of finances transactions but taxes are one of those things which are it's like a puzzle right like you are dealing with it because taxes truly are very very interesting it's just lots of logic stacked on top of logic and all of that logic has history right like there's someone who did something which was like looked at as not good by the government so you put a law around it and you try to make money on it there's a loophole that they find on that and you add a few more riders right like when you read tax law it just tells you this very interesting story of the economy finances and like how things evolved in the country right so really really cool stuff and it was a puzzle right like so you're reading all of this and you're like okay now i just have to write code i have to write technology i mean uh, around that and build a front end build like ex- a design experience that really simplifies that abstracts all of this complexity away like won't let people think about it that was really how can you use we we genuinely believe in the power of software and technology to like simplify people's financial lives and how could you do that like that was really i think the key thing so we did that and it yeah. worked like like some people discovered so so i understand that uh, tax law is essentially like a series of if then statements which can be coded like if your income is this much then this is so, so like it's essentially just a whole bunch of if then statements so you can easily code it into a tool and then you can easily code it you okay. can <laughs> right let me not use the word easily but you can yeah. code it uh, yeah. you can code it but it, was there the ability to file using clear tax like in terms of that integration with the government sure. portal yeah so this is the interesting part right like i think why a lot of people like heap a lot of abuses on the government for good and bad reasons the income tax department actually was a little forward thinking at the time they had api because they genuinely believed that look if taxes had to be digitized in the country it wasn't completely it couldn't be completely left on them right you had to i think you had to support the ecosystem you can't just say that okay like like income tax department do all of that you had to provide apis to private players to actually help create software returns workflows all of that and enable them to file it's not easy getting that license if you take care of a lot of things because you're dealing with people's money right 
you could really screw people over without them realizing there's an insane amount of fraud that malicious people could do and this is a place where people are will blindly close their eyes and say okay i trust you do whatever you want right so it's it's not easy but i think there's this, there's this person in like the income tax department mr ramesh krishnamurthy very forward thinking he said like this is what the future is going to be so they had apis not like not wasn't like ah okay api like not it's not like today right like that's like ah, a modern thing yeah and everything in book done Uh-huh. Uh, no, no, it's not about the modern API, but I think things were just not that simple in those days, even from software deployment, all of that. But um, yes, that they did exist. But that's that's been one of the interesting things about India, right? Like, like the way uh, when we'll come to that later, probably like GST and stuff in so forward looking. UPI is so forward looking, right? Like, it's not. There are many things which are really interesting about finance and taxes in the country. So yeah. Like there were these APIs we connected. We had to do an insane amount of validation right? because the API was very straightforward. Like the final return, I will take it. I'm not going to do validation or whatever. I'll just tell you whether it's correct or wrong. I can't tell you whether oh, this part is wrong, this law is wrong. You have to figure it out. And sometimes, just imagine this, right? Like you had some X income, and let's say your taxes is whatever Y. So I could easily say, hey, you know what? Actually, the You have to actually pay three Y and not Y, and you will take. You are saying that you can't pay that, so you could like completely screw things up for people, right? Like it's it's very 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 the thing, and like the taxes that you pay are sometimes thirty percent of your income, right? So it goes in lakhs. It's not something you can take very, you know, casually. So yeah, it was it was like there was a lot of like anxiety and stuff, especially for fighting returns. Shit, have we calculated this correctly? Is this law correct? Sometimes someone would come and say, "Hey, this is wrong," and then we'd be like, "Oh shit, is it wrong?" And then we look at it, and then we analyze it. We do, we run a bunch of calculations. We do it on pen and paper. Then we realize, no, we're right. <laughs> at one point, did you guys like actually learn the tax code yourself? Like, uh... we did, we did. We had to. I mean, there's no, there's no escaping that. And I think that's one of those things that if you have to build products, you can't like you have to get into it. Right? Like if you're building a product, whatever it is, you really have to build intuition. You have to build a knack. You have to build a judgment for it. You can't just you can't half-ass it. Yeah, you can't outsource thinking, uh, especially core thinking of the product. You really need to get that yourself. So yeah, those were that was how like income tax filing worked in those days. And when you met, had that integration already happened? Were people able to just click and file? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, the first version, the first version was out, and then we came in, built new forms. And what kind of traction uh, was it having? Like, like, what was the subscription to it, and how many people were? How many? So everything was customers. Everything was free. Everything, okay. See, we were bootstrapped, right? We didn't have any funding or anything. We had we had a few thousand customers in the first year. We uh, had like we had really interesting days monetizing, right? Like, and we tried different experiments. Like, we tried something like pay what you want, and just imagine it. This is pay what you want in 2012. Like, after you, after you finish filing, you pay us whatever you feel like. You want to pay us 10 rupees, wow. and that was interesting because you would always negotiate against yourself sometimes, saying that Ari Khan pay karega, like, sab ko free mein chahiye. But you would realize that. People actually valued the product. Actually, like if you build a good product, people value it. It creates a difference in their life, and uh, they're willing to pay 
a good amount of money. So people used like we'd suggested, hey, you know what, three hundred rupees. We'd see fifteen percent of the audience pay us like full price, right? Like hmm, absolutely no problem. Like I think I think like Clearnet had and continues to have a cult following, right? Like people are like, shit, this problem, this 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 subject matter, this thing is really difficult. It's irritating. It's painful. So yeah, Clearnet's there. Like it's all my problem. All of those kind of things. So yeah, like traction was traction was there. Traction was interesting. Obviously, from tech companies, from Infosys, Wipro, from Inmobi, from uh, Microsoft, those kind of companies at that time, and then started like spreading into MNCs, call centers, every company. Like, at this point of time, right? Like, there's probably five million people who've gone through the platform and who filed with us, and across the country, like like. People from the government themselves, right? Like, there's no problem. Like, it's it's just a sim. It's just a simpler way to file your tax returns. It doesn't matter how complex your tax returns is. It's just the simplest way to. People from the armed forces, because for a lot of them, they don't have any other options, right? And I think one of the one of the harder things for us to sort of for us to uh, articulate or tell people was, okay, look, clear tax is not for if you don't know how to file tax returns. Clear tax is also if you know how to file tax returns and you just don't want to like deal with. All of the problems that come around with it, right? So yeah, like really, really positive traction, and we didn't have money, right? Like whatever money we used to earn from those monetization experiments would just go into keeping AWS uh, <laughs> on. And I don't know if we were on AWS like that, but yeah, it would. Uh, we were completely bootstrapped, so all growth had to be really, really organic. So. We used to write blogs and guides and an insane amount of content. I used to like cold call HR heads of companies and say, "Hey, send my send an email about clear tax and free filing, because we're here to help your employees, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. We do like programs, word of mouth, people like pinging on Twitter, all of that, and that really built an enormous strength for us as a company. Right, even today we don't spend money randomly on advertising. Like organic is really, really important. Like what I'm really proud of, or one of the things that I'm proud of, when we change as a company, if you search for anything related to taxes, you'll probably see a clear tax link. So yeah, I think fun. Like when you don't have money, when you don't have like funding or whatever, and you're counting every rupee that you earn, and you're sort of like swiping credit card, keep things going. You really like a lot of creativity comes out. So uh, like 2013, you joined Archit and became a co-founder at Clear. No, 2000. Yeah, 2012. Twelve, okay. Twelve, two thousand twelve. Okay, and like, what role did you take on, and like, how were you? Yeah, it was just. So it was the three of us: me and Kitan Ashish sitting in a room, and yeah, when you just three of us, there's no other employees, there's no point saying co-founder. We just did what it took, right? Like, and I think what we could figure out what we're good at. Ankit and Ashish are the serious engineers. And like they do, like I was never a serious engineer. <laughs> Design. They did like backend, and they did a lot of like the infra stuff and all that. So everything else mostly fell to me. Like customer, and okay, everyone did like everything. Right, customer support uh, yeah, included. But uh, I did customer support in those days. I did like BD and marketing and whatnot. I did design, obviously. Like I created like the mascot called Pinchy. I created like brochures. Created the website. Like a lot of front end. Uh, design at some part of the thing, and the rest of the time would be about like actually reaching out to HRs in the country, like uh, getting them to send emails in their organizations, making sure that 
you're doing some kind of marketing paid and whatnot thinking about thinking about like yeah like content writing content getting people this kind of things doing like work with a lot of freelancers um, and stuff we had like raised in money we hadn't hired any employees we'd get interns uh, from iit and bits and they would like do uh, they would like help us write code at certain times and stuff like that archit spent a lot of time on engineering and like metrics and stuff and archit would like as ceo he'd he do like marketing he do business development and some sort of discussions around fundraising and like product uh, works so and like the, fundamentally all three of us were doing product at the same time right? it wasn't one person thinking product because we didn't even know about product management truly speaking right like we because till this point maybe except for archit none of us had worked with product managers we were always engineers and this business yeah that's that's all we do like engineering design and like launching it and yeah at least we just fundamentally have this so yeah that's how we stayed responsible at least so uh, i want to hear the journey in detail of the that vikaspuri kothi three of you to where you are today so okay in a, in a nutshell like very i'll just tell you the nutshell because um this is 2012 2013 days right so we went from that consumer tax filing scaled that up and then we then we got, got into yc in 2014 and then we raised our first round of funding moved to bangalore hired our first few employees in 2017 like we were doing consumer and in 2017 2017 i mean we still do consumer obviously no sir but 2017 this big thing happened in the country gst so gst happened and uh, suddenly it opened our doors to not just consumer but also enterprises smes and cas and finance professions in a much bigger way and then other things happened something called e-invoicing happened in 2020 so it's a big journey so like how you want to capture it what kind of questions you want to ask and obviously far more has happened you know since 2017 onwards so yeah i mean i think you you tell me what's the best way that you think okay so, like when it was just three of you you had like a pay what you want model did it stay like that the 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 payment for tax filing i think Uh, till we raised funding and all of that, it was it was it was like that. Okay, and like YC was where the fifteen, I think. Okay. Yeah, till twenty fifteen. Till I think twenty fifteen tax season is basically when we probably like only a very small portion of the audience uh, got it because otherwise most of the audience did. Yeah. Okay, but why like why keep it free? I mean, it's a service you're providing. Something like email being free is understood because then you monetize through ads or whatever. But tax filing being free, why? Like, so, see, I think one of the key things really was people didn't have credit cards or digital payment instruments at that time. Right. The main reason to start ClearTax was not he okay here he's I can start monetizing every monetizing every person like we really want to. like that was the first step in some sense right like the first step towards helping people manage or deal with their finances and stuff we also on the side were helping people incorporate companies that's basically where we charged uh, money we help people get registrations licenses all of those kind of things so but at that time people just didn't have digital payment instruments right so like and people didn't people didn't even have personal email ids right like so imagine this large mnc right like When would you do tax filing? You do tax filing in the middle of the day during work hours, right? Because that's when you're like, "Yar, bhai, like, please tell me, like, what to do, how to go about things and all that." You wouldn't do it at home, 
So people would use their office IDs and, you know, those days were also people didn't have computers at home because I'm not talking about just people like us, right? I'm talking about people in, you know, smaller, from smaller towns and cities and stuff where the only quote-unquote computer was in the workplace. And these people, like, and I'm talking about India at large, right? Like, so we also measured a lot of things, right? Like, why would only, like, a lot of people didn't pay us, not because they are uh, trying to, like, um, save money and being selfish or whatever. They just didn't have the way to pay, right? And that's why we never put a paywall up front. We said, look, you know, take money from people later on. And we also knew that if you put a paywall up front, you're fundamentally preventing a lot of people from getting this value which they sorely need, right? In in, in some sense, I think we genuinely had like thoda social service, charitable, those kind of instincts very strongly also. Like, hey, these problems should go away. These problems shouldn't exist. People should have a much better life. So some of those thoda socialistic tendencies which really informed how we did things, right? And so we, we thought, okay, charging for software right then and there, okay, fine but like could there be other deeper monetization avenues or whatever and this is this business is completely about trust and security and like, we never we never bothered with advertising or selling data or anything like even today right we get like i think probably over 200 million unique visitors to our uh, website annually there you would not you will not find one ad on any of our properties like it's truly about like, can software change your life? If software can change your life, will you pay for that? Uh, can you pay for that? That sort of like thinking that we have. So, uh, yeah, like I think monetization, we tried like upselling paid services. Look, if you want to, if you don't want to anyway bother with this, like here, get a CA, get a tax expert, like let them file the tax return for you. So we then like marketplace kind of thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. You impaneled CAs with you who, and you would pass on those leads to them and take a... Uh, no, not pass on the leads because we wanted to just control the entire experience. So we would, it wasn't an open marketplace of sorts. We would get CAs on board. We would okay. vet them, verify them, make sure that, yes. I mean, not even gig workers, right? Like it was more like partnerships or whatever. Wait, okay. This is before like those words, right? Gig workers and all of that. It, it's really, it, it was like partnerships or whatever because because it, it, these were CA firms. These were, you know, people would just pass their CA exam and they were on the start to creating their own firms and all of that. So those kind of things. And yeah, like it was still a very, very, very small percentage because fundamentally the focus was how do you build software for both consumers and, okay, by the way, we always had software for CAs. So there's a version with the clearededge.com uh, product that you see uh, in the tax filing for consumers. There's also, at the same time, by the way, this is something which most people don't know, right? Like, we, like, CNs were our first audience and all of that, and we continuously, and we continue to support them, right? Like, there's income tax software, it's called TaxLode, there's, there's uh, uh, TDS software, there's GST software. Like, CNs, in some sense, like, like just imagine, right, there are probably, what, less than a million CNs in the country who fundamentally handle 75 million uh, consumers or 75 million individuals and 75 million businesses, right? Like insane amount of work that goes in. So like we knew that that market, right? That audience also suffers from 
very shitty tools, very shitty like processes. Everything is penalty paper. Like even today, right? Like life is really crazy for CA firms on a certain like tax deadline days. They would just not go home. Like for us, it's very, for us, it's very like, like that CA is not going home. That CA is sitting and like probably sleeping in the office, like getting tax returns filed. It's really, really difficult life. So CAs, finance professionals, I mean, the same thing is in any finance team in any company also, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had the products for CAs uh, like right from the beginning, like 2013. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when did you get into YC? We got into YC in 2014. And what was the scale at that time? Like what kind of revenue or number of returns being filed? And I think that was, I think it escaped me, but somewhere between like half a million to a million kind of returns at the time. Okay. And revenue? Nothing to speak of, really. Mm-hmm. So, what was your pitch to like, YC? The pitch to YC was like, pitch to YC is fundamentally just that, right? Like, the income tax, income tax filing in the country is broken, right? It's paper based, it's Excel based, it's very bad tools that exist. We are automating it through software, right? You're taking a problem, like people don't need to think about anything. You upload your form sixteen in five minutes, you're done with filing. It's and I think. That was really the pitch to YC, right? And at some point, we can, you know, solve for other problems. Uh, we can solve for other kind of issues. But like, that really wasn't a big thing. It was just about simplifying like financial lives of people. So, so that that YC experience. So, so YC is also like a mentorship program in a way. So, so did it shape the direction of the business going forward? Like, once you got into YC, like. What changed after that? Yeah, I think YC really, YC was brilliant at the time because this is a time when you didn't have too much of a startup network or whatever and any kind of startup stuff happened, especially for, you know, digital products, right? Or SaaS. Like we were, it took us a very long time to figure out we were SaaS, right? Like versus this thing. Everything was just like just lumped into, uh, lumped into the startup tag or whatever. Like anyone you talk to in the ecosystem, they'd be like, hey, Build a market. What? We're a software company. Yeah, everything was e-commerce at that time. Yeah, everything was e-commerce. You just build a market. No one here understands this, right? No one understands. And fintech did not exist as a word or whatever, right? So, and like the only place where software or whatever was being built, it was fundamentally this thing, the US. So, and YC, obviously, like we've seen Dropbox, Airbnb, so many different like, companies, Justin TV, all of that come out at the time. So we applied and we got in. And I think that really transformed us from just three kids in a cottage because we to serious sort of serious, like about product building, about product management and stuff like that. We had Google Analytics and stuff in our products. We just didn't know how to do it. Right? Like, they went through every single page. Hey, what's the drop-off on this page? What's the conversion on this page? What is, like, are you raising events? Are you raising these kind of goals? Like, where does the workflow break? Where does the workflow continue? What are your error messages saying? And really, really go deep into, like, software. Really go deep into measuring data analytics performance. None of this existed as, like, just, like, these are known fundamentals right now. But at that time, none of this really existed, right? So I think YC really helped us in it. I think we 
had done a bunch of things ourselves with respect to like marketing and growth and all of that. I think YC really helped talk to us about product-led growth, referent programs and how to do word of mouth. It's fundamentally a little bit of governing, like where you're adults, like it's you running your own company, like there's no one quote-unquote helping you, but you have to sort of be accountable and move as fast as you want to. And you have to come out and ask for help, advice, etc., etc. While they'll give you some principles and things. Like, but I think that the network of really solid and really interesting and really like, I think aggressive companies around you and very smart people around you, that really sort of changes life. You uh, see how other companies have done things in similar geographies, other geographies, what kind of progress that shared sort of you know, mm-hmm. um, helps you build a bigger vision. Exactly. Mm. Not just build a bigger vision, but I, I think less about building a bigger vision because vision is fundamentally yours, right? Like uh, people can't really help you with that too much. Then it'll help you. It'll help you really get ideas very quickly and like test out ideas very quickly. And you'll have, you can learn from other people's mistakes and other people's successes. There's one thing which PG, Paul Graham had said, right? Like no matter what idea you have, there's probably someone out there who's spent 10,000 hours thinking about it. Now, can you sort of use their leverage, their experience, that kind of thing? So that was that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, YC takes uh, some equity and gives some money, right? Correct. Uh, uh, YC takes seven percent equity mm-hmm. and gives at that time one twenty k USD, mm-hmm. something like that. Until when do they hold the equity? Like, do they? I mean, you hold the equity, like. Okay. It's they- I mean, you just continue holding it. Okay. Like, like till IPO, they hold it. Okay. I mean, it depends. Like, it depends. Okay. Like at some point, they mm. need a sentencing, but mm. who knows? Maybe at IPO, maybe when, if a company gets acquired. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So post YC, then tell me how did things change? And I guess that is when you also decided to have a more formal monetization strategy. So, so tell me about that journey. You would think. But so post YC, we came back to India. We moved base from, I think, uh, Delhi to uh, Bangalore. Fundamentally, like, I think better access to talent because you had to move from Vikaspuri. Now, from Vikaspuri, you could move to Gurgaon or you could move to Bangalore. It's more or less the same. We chose Bangalore. And I think our first set of employees, et cetera, started coming in. We scaled up income tax filing. We built a bunch of ancillary experiences like generate your rent receipt. We helped enterprises generate their Form 16s, built TDS software and enterprises. Enterprise, okay. Hmm. And 2016 was a time when the someone from the uh, government... The only funding was that YC, like 2016? No, no, no. We, I think, raised money from Sequoia and Self uh, Partners, now Elevation Capital, Self uh, Partners of the past. So we raised money from them. And, sorry, uh, I'll just finish. And like Peter Thiel, a bunch of other people. We raised, I think, I think at the time, what, 15 million? Hmm. Hmm. Pretty large, uh, like a Series A. It was a Series A, yeah. Which is a pretty large Series A for that time. Correct, it was. And like, because the next round we raised was 2018. Like, because I think this is, this is one of those businesses where you can't burn and grow. Like SaaS is not a place where you could just burn and like scale up, offer cash back uh, and scale up. You really have to 
build software, monetize, create revenue, build features, those kind of things. And all this time, we did know we were SaaS, but we never talked about that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and, and by 2016, you also had a, like a pricing tiers, like... Uh, so, think, like on the consumer side, we still, I think we actually uh, started giving out more for free, but the market was the angle that we had taken at the time. We were, like, so, we were genuinely experimenting. We were figuring out, okay, what all could we do on the consumer business? Is marketplace one kind of monetization? Can you the same? Because we didn't have, I think, or we didn't feel, like while there were probably a few million people filing at that time, we didn't feel that was enough to, you know, monetize in a big yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Like probably scale it up even more and yeah. then start monetizing. So, but like mm. other mm. monetized software itself after some time. So you were monetizing like the TDS software, the software for CA firms, that yes. stuff was getting monetized. Okay, got it. Hmm. Hmm. Right. So so yeah, let's come back to 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So 2016, all of this was happening. And like someone from the government reaches out saying, hey, you guys are the biggest user of the government API, right? Or tax API. There is this thing called GST, which is coming next year. Why don't you go do something about it? Like, oh, interesting. Like, but you know, like consumer company, but GST businesses, etc. And I started thinking about it, right? Like, like the interesting part was our stated mission at the time was building, like, uh, simplifying financial lives in India. Businesses are also financial lives. Well, we, and we knew, we always knew that like GST was coming at some point. It was supposed to come in 2016, but I think it got pushed to 2017. Uh, we knew that there's probably some play that we could do there, but never thought about it beyond a certain point, right? But now this was suddenly on our doorstep. We knew that, hey, taxes is something that we understand very well. Building deep workflow software is something that we understand very well. Notice how I did say SaaS, right? But like the pain was crazy, right? Like just imagine, imagine a company like any company, right? Like Tata, Nokri, whatever. Till that point of time, they had to file two returns in a year, right? Service tax or sales tax returns and all of that. Just it. And take a, outsource it to someone, do it. Now, with GST, they have a presence Every every state in which they have a presence, and typically any large company has a presence in every single state, right? Every state which you have a presence, you have to file three returns every month. So, three into 12 uh, plus one, we are three, 30 states or whatever. Now, and finance departments still are on pen and paper because no one builds software for them, right? Like, the software is built in like 1980s or whatever. It's, yeah, yeah. Tally it's, is like the, the default, right? So it doesn't scale up and stuff like that. Things happen on Excel. Like CAs, finance professionals have a really hard time. So look, hey, this is a huge opportunity. And because you're also going to businesses and enterprises, that's a place where you can, you know, make revenue, start monetizing, all of that. So we went behind that opportunity. So we grew, I think, at that time, right? Like from probably like 60 people to about 300 and something, 350 people mm. in a few months. Mm -hmm. Crazy but, scale up, right? Because GST is right like, like right. that. Yeah. And at least, you know, consumer taxes and stuff, we felt very strongly about it. We knew it. We understood it, etc. GST is still a little bit 
difficult in the sense that you it's you have to put yourself in those shoes. You have to think like a finance professional. You have to think about accounting. You have to think about a treasury. You have to think about taxes, supply chains, distributor chains. There's so many different things that you have to do if you have to build that out there. And there's a new law in the country which is, you know, new. It's completely new. Like otherwise, in taxes, income taxes or TDS or whatever, you've had a decade or two decades to think about it, and people have gotten used to it. Companies know what to do. Now suddenly, building a solution here becomes not just about software, but also educating the country about the law, about educating users about the law when they're using your product, because they're like, boss, I'm using you because I don't know what to do. You better get everything right, and you and this is like company finances, which is in crores or hundreds of crores or thousands of crores of rupees. Don't if you screw this up, I'm never touching you again. About like interpreting laws from the government and then making them into software. And at this point of time, right, GST. I don't know how much you remember, but like every week, hundred things were changing. Till probably 2019, right? Every week, like then the GST council meeting, boom, 25. Different things will change. Yeah, yes, things moving from one slab to another, and like all, all these special not interest just, groups. Not just labs and rates. Yeah, not just labs and rates, but also laws, right? Like the GST funds went from a certain set of forms. The number of forms is continuously changed, right? Like because I think the government is also trying to figure out because this is the most forward-looking tax or finance implementation that anyone in the world has done. Okay. So, so help like, me understand yeah. why you say that. Like, like sure. as a layman, I don't fully appreciate GST. Like, what's the big deal? So, for a layman like me, help me understand why you're such a big fan. In general, right? Like, taxes are self-declaratory or whatever, right? Like, in another country, you could say that I am. This is me as a business. I earned this much. This is the tax that I'm supposed to pay after minusing my expenses, which I need for. Running the business because the taxes, the GST is also a value-added tax. Right? Like you only pay on the value that you create above what you've already purchased. So now in India, where where you know where the government doesn't trust its businesses, businesses don't trust the government, and all in this kind of system, the only way to actually have an effective tax system is where there is transparency in the entire chain, right? So, like. How GST is implemented is that on on the tenth of the month, you declare how much sales you have done and what your tax liability is because of the sales. Then on the twentieth of the month, you declare what purchases you have made. So that means you can sort of minus the tax liability from there, right? And then you pay the differential. You pay how much you are supposed to. This is obviously me grossly oversimplifying it, but it's a fundamental nature. Now, sales, the government trusts you to, uh, at some point, trust you and say, "Hey, okay, this is what you've done." But purchases. Now, the interesting thing is, your sale is someone else's purchases, right? Your purchases are someone else's sale. So there is, like, there is something called the two-way form or whatever, uh, where every purchase that you've made. Uh, is listed there, right? Where your GSTIN or your business is the receiving party. So now um, there is a system by which this both checks and balances, right? Like uh, now the government's made it in a way where you can claim purchase and offset that liability only if 
uh, your um, vendor or your supplier has actually showed that invoice. If they want to show that invoice, you can't claim the ITC input tax credit. So you go chase your vendor, get them to file, and then only. So now this is basically like a self-governing or this is the right sort of incentives for everyone in that chain to be honest and transparent. And uh, then, like fundamentally, if everyone is honest and transparent, then everyone's get, everyone gets benefited, right? You you do more sales, you pay more taxes, but you can actually claim all of the credits that are off to you. Everything is digital. Everything is electronic, right? Whatever, at an invoice by invoice level, just imagine, right? Like invoice by invoice, item by item, HSN code by HSN code, you have to calculate all of this and then do that. And just imagine like large enterprises where the number of, like think about e-commerce and all of that, where the number of sales or purchase transactions, they amount in the millions per month, right? There are people whose, there are people whose Excel files when they export their sales is about like 40, 50 GB. Right? It's that many. That's how big the Excel file is. Now, how can you like, deal with this? You can't even open it in your computer. Like, how are you going to like, build software to do this? So, like, that's the kind of problem uh, statement in GST and uh, compliances in general, right, for businesses. What did you want to build here? This would obviously be a paid service, right? Like, there would Correct. be no free, free, free or a free software. I mean, there are free trial periods. Uh, there are free trial periods. It's, it's SaaS, right? Like you come, you have like a 15-30-day uh, trial period and then you can start um, using it. There are a couple of other products that we built out after that. Like, And I think this year, we also moved from clear tax to clear because I think the vision always was to simplify finances with software. And we stopped being about only taxes. Something called e-way bills came out in 2018. Uh, basically, if you're sending a truck with goods, then that you know document needs to be submitted to the government. Wait, uh, uh, get the number. Like before we come to uh, what was the first product you learned? Was, was it just like GST invoicing? Like use this to send your invoices, and then it will give you that. It was GST. It was GST filing. There was a GST invoicing module also, but I think SMEs at the time just relied on. CAs and uh, whatnot to uh, go about invoicing. So GST invoicing, GST filing. Okay, so reports, like the GST, GST filing would ask you to upload some sort of a spreadsheet and then like you could directly through it. You had to fundamentally connect to your uh, system of record, right? Like you could upload CSVs, you could upload Excels, you could directly integrate with APIs, you could send us files via an FTP, um, a whole bunch of different methods because now you're fundamentally building enterprise-grade software, all of that. So we could take all of that data. We would we would like run um, the, all of the rules. We would do the validations. We would tell you, hey, all of this is wrong. Go fix it. Because fundamentally, your ERPs, accounting softwares, all of that are, um, they are, they're built for accounting. They're not built for compliance or GST, right? Like those rules are just too complex to figure out. Like you need to spend years doing this to actually build something uh, for that. You sometimes overpay taxes. You sometimes don't take the right credit. You don't, uh, you end up working with bad vendors sometimes and, you know, you may not block payments for them, etc. There's so many different things that happen. So just like, dealing with all of this data and um, simplifying it for people, giving all of that insight and validations and all of that. I, I, I think we probably have the most powerful reconciliation software in the world at this point of time because we reconcile like like we can reconcile 20 million records like that right because 
the number of uh, documents and invoices and items that you have to reconcile, the number of data points that you reconcile is crazy. Works by fetching data from the GST portal, like off. You have to fetch data from the GST portal, which is also not very easy. Right? Like just imagine you need like uh, you need like OTP, a bunch of OTPs, as many OTPs as you have stayed, and those OTPs are valid for a very short amount of time. You have, and depending on the size of the data, sometimes and if it's a deadline or not, sometimes the servers would be choked. So you have to retry again and again. You may get like junk data sometimes overwrite it with the right data, um, and then you bring purchase purchase data. Typically, that people enter is not because it's purchase data, right? It's mostly used for accounting, so people don't really do a good job recording everything properly. So you have to clean it, validate, it, and then bring that up. And now, when you're dealing with like millions of records in either, it's not as simple as an Excel VLOOKUP. Think of it like uh, writing a very very complex VLOOKUP across twenty. Uh, or 40 different variables with like fuzzy limits saying because you may say 85,000 rupees 383 the other person may say oh, 85,000 rupees 400 now you match that and someone may say 40,000 40,000 something something right like there's so many permutations and combinations here right so we, we unknowingly built the most powerful crazy amount of stuff that goes in, into like just powering businesses so, so the, the first product that you launched, this like helping businesses to calculate GST, reconcile it and file the returns. Yes. So that's the interesting part, right? When you come from a consumer product side, like, yes, it's one product. But then if you talk to anyone who does enterprise products, oh yeah, there are like five different products here. <laughs> you can charge in different ways. You can just think. So I think that was also a very interesting journey, right? Like understanding, because you've gone from now, only being a consumer company to now being a con- enterprise company as well. Now being a senior company as well, an SME company as well. So very sort of interesting, challenging sort of right there, figuring out, okay, how do you do all of this? Because, you know, sales, BD, uh, like marketing, uh, connections, just the quality of software, the kind of like certifications and the kind of language that you have to say communication is so very different, right? Like, and there are very few, I think, companies out there that you can, you know, look at and say, hey, these people are doing two different things. Let us learn from them. We had to like figure all of this out ourselves. We had to build, we have consumer DNA, great. Now we have to build enterprise DNA and it's still work in progress. Mm. How did you figure out pricing for this? Like like 2017, like? Right, we gave a lot of very complex, very valuable software for free in the beginning because we just didn't know how to charge. We like, we tried out different models we sold like we sold like just annual licenses we didn't license and meet our people we didn't check for usage and all of that insane amount of abuse and whatnot we had like uh, a lot of because we were selling software to smes and CAs and enterprises there's a lot of collision right like are you same software you're selling for this much those weird kind of things yeah i mean it, it wasn't easy we just had to go do the hard yards figure out like and you know Sometimes you go into when a young salesperson, they go to like an enterprise CFO, the guy like you, you'd say, huh, here, this is, this is such awesome software, school software is going to create so much value in your life in sales. I say, like a couple of lakhs is the ASP. And CFO will be like, I have 20, uh, the, the selling price, sorry. The, the average selling price. Like, okay, sorry, I mean, it's a very weird shit. But like, you know, you'd go to an enterprise, you'd go to the CFO and you tell the CFO, yeah, the, Cost in the software is like two lakhs or something. 
CFO sees like a young sales guy on the other side and says, yeah, yeah I have like 20,000 rupees. <laughs> so going, going all the way from there to now building like a huge enterprise brand, very, very interesting journey, like figuring out everything. Like, I mean, there's no, I can't tell you any sort of secret or any kind of like quick hack to achieve this. It was just like doing the hard yards, making an insane number of mistakes, but just staying with the problem, right? Like, it's very easy to get disheartened and say, you you build software of value. At some point, people will genuinely see the value, right? If it solves a problem, if it like saves them time, saves them money, gives them peace of mind, you are creating more value for them than you're charging, right? Like, mm -hmm. you'll see that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, like, you were talking about the journey from clear tax to clear and how after this GST solution, what were the subsequent steps and that led to the rebrand also? So, so tell me about that, that journey. Like, So 2017, after GST was launched, there was something called eBay bills that uh, happened in the country. Basically, whenever you're sending out goods as a business, you now need to, the invoice needs to be sent to the government. You get an eBay bill number. And that's what goes with the, you know, shipment or the goods. And unless you have that eBay bill, it's, you can't send goods out, right? Like uh, the, the where a truck is waiting at the warehouse in some sense. So we built software for that. Fast forward a couple of years, in 2020, the government said that eBay bill is good for goods invoices and stuff. But now for any business, no matter what invoice you're creating, right? Like uh, B2B or B2C. Send that invoice to the government and then only it becomes valid. So this is a huge thing which has happened to the country. Most people don't realize it also, right? Like this is called e-invoicing. And the government launched it in tiers, right? They said that, okay, October 2020 is only 500 crore plus. Then January 2021, 100 crore plus. April 15 crore plus, etc., etc. So uh, they launched it in uh, stages, but basically for any... How, how does this work, like e-invoicing, again, as an outsider who, who doesn't know? Yeah, that. so e-invoicing and e bill, right, is real time. Basically, um, you see, if you're, if, you're, if you're a B2B, uh, if you're creating a B2B invoice or something, as soon as you make it in your ERP, you have to, there are 140 fields that you need to fill off that needs to be sent to the government and it automatically responds with the IRN of sorts. And then you have to put that into your invoice. You have to print it in a particular format. There's a QR code that comes out. You have to put that in as well so that anything can be checked for validity. You know, because GST is downstream. Invoicing is upstream. So you know, what, like now the government... What, what is the difference? Yeah. Sorry, like GST downstream sure, invoicing the, the upstream. Like... The government gets to know about every sale or purchase when it is punched in, as opposed to getting it like 45 days later in a GST return or something like that. So I think far more uh, data coming in, right? So basically now if uh, GST is monthly, uh, this is real thing, right? Like four in the morning, the four in the morning, the, the sofa that you ordered from IKEA has to leave that warehouse and come to you. So but without an eBay bill or an IR, like uh, e-invoicing, like number, uh, it can't leave the warehouse. So now, fundamentally, we were at a stage where we're now powering 
millions of invoices. Yeah, I want to ask more about this e-way bill and e-invoicing. So, uh, e-invoicing is replacing e-way bill. Like, if you have an e-invoice, then you don't need a e-way bill, or or so um, e-way bill is a subset in some sense. They're they're now combined, but it's a subset, right? Like the e-way bill is so when you order when you order something on Amazon or like which comes from abroad or whatever, you get something called an AWB, which is an airway bill number. That's that's for the transporter. That's for logistics. So e-way bills are for logistics. The e-invoice is basically the digital version of the invoice itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like e-way bill would only be covering when there is a transportation element, but e-invoice will cover everything, whether there is a transportation element or not. Both kind of invoices then need to get registered. And before you can actually send an invoice to your customer, you need to get that IRN. So, that's why it is real-time. I mean, think of it this way, like, the invoice isn't valid if it isn't an invoice. It's like that mm-hmm. mandatory mm-hmm. invoice. So, so uh, for large companies, they can no longer like just paper me bill cut ke dena. That is no longer possible correct, now. Correct. Uh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. And uh, this is uh, what is the rollout plan for this? Like uh, you said, first five hundred crore. Out, plus, it's rolled uh, out to all companies above fifty crore at this point of time. Soon it'll come to companies below fifty crore um, in either one big bang or a couple of phases, I think that's still happening. So the interesting thing part about this, this is real time, right? Like this happens at any time. So now that means your software, your API, your infrastructures, it's it's sort of like payment gateways or anything, but like there's even more data that you're processing and you're sending. And you need to rely on so many different third parties, right? Like you have to integrate with ERPs, you have to integrate with the government, you have to make sure that everything is up and running. You have to have two or three fail saves if something doesn't work. Because if you screw up, you're fundamentally affecting commerce in the country, right? You're creating crores of losses for businesses. So it's that kind of criticality that now your software is dealing with. So we built software for that. Like, and this is this affects payments, this affects like credit and all of that. So I think with all of these changes, right? And with COVID, with with like deeper penetration of like the internet with digitization, with better payments infrastructure and UPI and whatnot. I think like businesses have realized that, okay, moving, changing their archaic systems into digital is not just helpful from a time savings for people perspective, but also getting paid faster, like the nature, because like you have data, which is available so digitally right now, like the nature of credit also is changing so much, right? Like, Today, like credit in the country for any business, it's completely collateral based, right? Like a bank would just give you credit. Huh? Okay, you have this business, you have this inventory, credit. Now, like credit can genuinely be based on merit, right? Like how much business are you doing? Who are you doing business with? Businesses now have, with all of this, right? Like GST, invoicing, bills, etc. So much digital data. All of this is happening, right? Right? Like it actually extending credit to businesses. We're working with large enterprises, giving credit to their supply chains. We are um, solving for vendor payments and all of that out with their ERPs. No, we know, like, now the word clear tax, right? Like, as a brand for the public, I think, started, like, not being the right articulation of who we are. Until this point, we weren't like, oh, we're, like you know, we're doing work, we're doing things, we're clear tags, I know, but we're clear tags, but we're doing both. Like that was in this. But I think 
the beginning of uh, this year, we are like, okay, this is something that we need to change. We tried out a whole bunch of different names, and we're like, yeah, like clear, clear is the best something. <laughs> it really sort of represents, I think, who we are. Things are clear with um, clear. I, I never get, I'll, I'll never get tired of saying that. So that's where we decided that okay, you know what? Uh, we are clear. We build SaaS for invoices, payments, taxes, and credit. That's our new articulation. Uh, really speaking, we continue to you know be on the mission of simplifying finances for India. That hasn't changed, but so many other things have. I think only now have people started realizing that, huh? They only they don't only do consumer taxes, huh? Okay, that was like the journey of like actually doing all of this, like powering like millions of invoices, like millions of invoices every week, powering like a lot of credit, a lot of payments for businesses, creating an operating system for small businesses. One of our products called Clear One. That's like fundamentally like the OS for businesses, right? Like SMEs. Like how can you do everything that you wanted like invoices, payments, taxes, credit, all of that through one app itself, right? Like also going mobile, like I think over the past couple of years, we've shifted from a pure web product to a mobile oriented product as well. I think we realized that, okay, now we have to do justice to like um, what we are as a company and that's where mm-hmm. clear. Okay. Yeah. So, so what are... Like you said, payments and credit are like the the roadmap now in terms of building products. Yeah? So, so what are you building in payments? Let's first talk payments, then we can talk credit. I like payments is still I think skunk works right now. So I won't talk about payments, but I could talk about like I could talk about like what we're doing on SME. I could talk about what we're doing on uh, credit. All of those things, if that's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Please sure. go ahead. Yeah. So, like now with. GST, e-invoices, all of that businesses have an insane amount of data. And like, there's now evidence of who you're working with, who you're, who you're buying from, who you're selling to, like what the health of your business is, et cetera, et cetera. You obviously have to deal with an insane amount of data, crunch it, but we can, we can now help supply or we now help actually, we now help supply chains with like just getting credit faster, getting paid earlier. So we have we have an invoicing we have an invoice discounting product uh, where we're working with enterprises, financiers, and vendors. Like you can just open, you'll get notifications on the invoices that you have, which can be like where you can get early payments. So we are powering all of that credit via treasury, via bank financing, all of that. So that's happening in a pretty big way. On the SME side for, you know, these vendors and SMEs in general, we have this product called Clear One, which is the, like how we internally talk about it is that it's like the operating system for businesses, right? Like you create invoices, you receive payments, you get... Receive payments in what way? Like you get payments. Yes. So fundamentally, so think of it this way, right? Like when, when a business does a transaction with you, there are five or six different things happening or which will happen, right? Like there's an invoice that has to go out. There is payment that has to be collected. There is along the line an e-invoice, a reway bill, 
that has to be created. There is taxes that have to be computed. And we're talking about the invoice that has to be created. It's not just a simple like receipt or whatever. Right? Then it's a full-fledged invoice with those 140 fields or whatever that makes it a valid invoice that needs to be sent out to someone. So all of these things happen in the background, right? Now, how can you just take away all of this complexity and just make it like dead simple for businesses? So that's where our software clear one comes in. You like enter a bunch of details on a mobile app, boom, everything happens in the background. You a payment link sent out, you can collect payments directly from, you know, your customers and taxes like computed for you, et cetera, et cetera. So like, like far, far beyond like old accounting systems, like this is truly like operating system for your business in itself. And and does it double up as an accounting system also? Like you can does it double up as an accounting system today? But so it is it is on the it is on the it's on the roadmap. But I think what's getting interesting is like in other places in the world, right? Like accounting systems or ERPs and invoicing systems are actually now becoming different. In India, for example, people haven't ever thought that deeply about invoicing versus accounting. Because accounting used to be something that you give to like your accountant, back office kind of thing. You don't have to care about it. Whatever they use, they use. But now all of these things are really changing, right? Like if you don't do your accounting properly on a regular basis, you have a horrible time dealing with taxes and compliances and whatnot. Invoicing is sort of like the gateway into all of this. Got it. Okay. And are you also planning to do stuff like POS software, like for like retail level companies and stuff? Not like at that. this time. Mm. Not at this time. Mm. But uh, are you like looking to do acquisitions and become like full stack? Like say acquiring a POS software company or stuff like that? I think like, I think those strategies we still are figuring out, but uh, yeah, nothing to say about it at this time. I think invoicing, invoicing, interestingly, invoicing helped us go international also. So just about uh, like a couple of weeks ago, 4th of December is basically when e-invoicing software went live in Saudi Arabia as well. So, and we're expanding in the Middle East with invoices and taxes soon and, you know, other geographies in the world as well. So that's also very interesting stuff that's happening. Hmm. So like Saudi has like a similar requirement from the government of making an e-invoice or you're just talking of like a, not like a government linked e-invoice, but just a invoicing software. E-invoicing is one of those things which is also an international phenomenon in some way. E-invoicing basically is the digitization of an invoice and standardization of an invoice in some sense that has never existed, right? Like it improves how businesses, you know, operate with each other. You don't have to sit and waste time punching in data all the time. So like the e-invoice global phenomenon, like there is mandatory e-invoicing in Latin America. India is the first geography outside of that, which is doing mandatory B2B invoicing. There are certain, like Europe, for example, has mandatory B2G e-invoicing, like when you're invoicing to the government and everyone people are moving into the B2B zone and stuff. So with, with I think, other geographies like Middle East and Australia and whatnot, e-invoicing is something that the government or the regulators are bringing in as well to start. Like actually seeing data on how businesses uh, operate, actually trying to figure out what's happening in the economy and improve yeah, yeah, yeah. 
a place which would always be how is the pricing done like is it on a like a turnover basis or is it on number no, of so invoices or like pricing is basically done in terms of it's it's a it's a mix of number of like how much data you bring into the system so number of invoices items reconciliation for example is very compute intensive like depending on how much reconciliation is that you're doing because if you reconcile If you reconcile more, right? Like we have a product called Max ITC, which fundamentally like can help you get about three, four percent more on your EBITDA, right? Because fundamentally there are a lot of business on all businesses uh, across the country, right? Like uh, calculating how much taxes to pay, which vendors you know have actually are compliant or not compliant, where to. block payments where to block taxes these are questions that a lot of companies don't have answers to and because of this there's a lot of lack of optimization and efficiency in the kind of payments that they right so we have max itc product and credit products which are which actually like create value for businesses and they're obviously at a different pricing you need to do a lot of the the credit product is that like a product you price uh, from like the borrower or, or the lender is sharing the interest revenue with you the credit product just launching we're just launching there have been a bunch of like there are early beta customers and all of that we've done this with um actually seeing an insane amount of value so we will quote unquote do a public launch but the thing is i like depending like if this comes out let's say in march then maybe the pr would have happened by then on the credit product uh, basically we so we work with enterprises and we do early payment for them and these early payments go as a discount on the invoice value so 
that's that discount is basically where enterprises earn money and that sub part of it is shared with you so we, we we do yes we do we do our sharing on that mm-hmm. got it got it okay okay and like going forward say for 25 what do you see as the revenue split between various businesses i mean and why i'm asking is because i think credit is like the flavor of the decade you could say in a way that credit is what everyone wants to monetize on so do you see credit as becoming like your flagship contributor to revenue or will it still be saas subscription or what do you think it's going to be look like so that's a very interesting question like how we genuinely think about it is that i think these two business lines right like it's it's not either or like i think ours like 2025 i think the clears software is going to be fundamentally powering most businesses in india whether really small or really large irrespective right like so i think subscription is going to be a very it's going to be a significant revenue driver and i think financial services credit payments i think that is going to be either as big or you know larger than the subscription saas subscription side of the revenue side okay got it got it okay okay currently what is the split like in terms of like 50% of your revenue comes from say enterprise clients or what like uh, are you at liberty to give a like a rough split most of the primary revenue channel is enterprise but enterprises see like that's the interesting part right like enterprises for us go all the way from someone who uh, has a turnover of 50 crore because in invoicing and all of that has started at that and they also take our tax products and other products all the way to like some of the biggest brands in the country who are using us for invoicing like taxes credit mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, God. Yeah, at least two third of your revenue must be coming from this. I am guessing, like, or mm-hmm. or more, right? Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. So, so, tell me about the funding journey. So, you had that fifteen million fundraise so from Sequoia and a couple of others. So, uh, subsequent to that, w- what has been the funding journey? Sure. So, we raised a Series A from uh, Sev's Correlation. Um. So, in twenty eighteen. we raised a series b a 50 million series b from composite capital and existing uh, investors and then fast forward to this year 2021 we raised the series c from uh, stripe cora capital and so uh, and how much did you raise the series c we raised we raised a 75 million a series c from cora capital stripe uh, and a bunch of other investors This was the spotlight presented by the podium. To listen to more such interesting conversations, log on to the podium dot in. Before we end the episode, I want to share a bit about my journey as a podcaster. I started podcasting in 2020, and in the last two years, I've had the opportunity to interview more than 250 founders who are shaping India's future across sectors. If you also want to speak to the best minds in your field and build an enviable network, then you must consider becoming a podcaster. And the first step to becoming a podcaster starts with Zencaster, which takes care of all the nuts and bolts of podcasting, from remote recording to editing to distribution and finally monetization. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link. 
zen.ai slash founder thesis. That's zen.ai slash founder thesis.